0: Hey guys, Katie here. I just wanted to invite you to an opportunity that we're having at Giving Light. Uh, we're going to be doing a six-week online mentorship with Dr. Melody, one of our co-hosts here at Life Exchange, uh, and it's going to be on uprooting this, the stronghold of shame in your life. And so if you are a longtime listener of our podcast, you know that we talk about identity a lot. Uh, and we also talk about facing our fears or confronting the spirit of fear um, a lot, and it's because we have seen the freedom that it brings, when we can actually see a true identity and a true reality of who we are in Christ and come against those strongholds and cycles of shame and fear and control in our life. And so Dr. Melody actually received um, a healing from this in her own life when she was 37 years old. Uh, And she has since then written a book about it and done lots and lots of trainings, helping people to discover uh, their identity and walk free of shame, fear and control. So we're going to be doing this. Six-week mentorship starting on on October 3rd, uh, and registration is now open for that. And you can find out all the information and sign up for that today at givinglight.org slash classes. We'd love to have you a part. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton.
1: And I'm Joel Hilton.
0: And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we are back with (laughs) some more episodes.
1: Or With maybe it would episodes, be, they're back. Questions, they're we're back. always here, but they're back listening. All
0: right. Uh, Inside Baseball, we have recorded another episode before this one. So we're on our second one of the day. And so when that happens, we have to like keep in the swing of things. So that's what we're letting you in on. That's our baseball. You guys speak
2: yeah, a I didn't language. The baseball I don't thing. get it. Oh, that's just a term, Inside Baseball.
1: Okay. I guess I I'm just not that. in the know on that one. <laughs>
0: The behind the scenes, behind behind the 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 scenes. scenes. All right, okay. They're both looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" (laughs) Sorry. Okay.
1: That's why we don't do a video podcast.
2: (laughs) We don't want you to see somebody roll on their eyes (laughs) when I talk. Oh, here she (laughs) is. I think we're pretty
0: good. Yeah.
1: We've heard it enough.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we have three questions for you guys today. Um, One of them is, how can you pursue personal purpose while staying community-minded? Another is, how do I know if I'm hearing the voice of God or just talking to myself? Somebody just asked me that question. I don't know if it's the same person that wrote in. but uh, And lastly, how can you learn to accept change to finally move on from a painful situation?
1: So we're going to end it out with a heavy pain and (laughs) suffering. and So if you make it to the end, you're a true... (laughs) True follower. Hey, I think I have some
0: good things to say on that one. So.
1: Oh, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready for the first one to dive in? We are. Okay. To uh, remind you of what I said three seconds ago, how can you pursue personal purpose while staying community minded?
1: This is a. An important question because I think a lot of times in the, in church culture today, so much emphasis is on per- personal purpose, fulfilling your personal calling or your mm-hmm. destiny, and so sometimes community is put on the back burner. But I, I think these two ideas are intertwined, mm-hmm. and so we could go from there.
0: Yeah, I always say the the command is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, There's no punctuation there. It's one breath. It's love your neighbor as yourself. It's it's not separated. And so when we try to separate us uh, and doing things just for ourselves without considering others, then I think we're breaking uh, a commandment that was meant to keep us connected with one another. Um, So pursuing your personal purpose is wonderful, but your purpose will always, 100% of the time, include other people.
1: Um, Well, unless you live on an island by yourself (laughs) If then you're your purpose away.
0: is to survive. Live and die.
1: <laughs> well, in that movie, he okay. he created Wilson, and uh, <laughs> see, he needed. We, oh man, we're getting real <laughs> deep on this one.
2: He needed connection. <laughs> well, if you think about it, everything God put inside of us is really for others.
0: Yeah, you
2: know, every gift, every purpose, every calling, skill, all those things are given to us so that we can invest into others.
1: Well, the scripture where it talks about the gifts of the spirit are for the profit of all. That's
0: right. Yeah. I always use this example of Sarah when she, um, when she held Isaac in her arms, that that was a fulfillment of a personal promise to her that she would have a son. Uh, and so as she's holding Isaac, she's holding a personal promise fulfilled But that promise was also for um, the rest of us. It was for all of mankind. She was also the mother of many nations. So her personal purpose also was a purpose as part of the grand scheme of the kingdom of God. And that's going to be the same for any of us is that as you walk out your personal purpose, it's going to serve other people. And that's the beautiful thing about being a family, about being a body. Um, So to try to separate these is really dangerous. It's to me, uh, to say it bluntly, you're stepping out of
2: the way of the gospel. Well, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested. He had a purpose, Mm -hmm. what? To destroy the works of the devil. Uh, Jesus came with a purpose, and that whole purpose was ultimately for us. I mean, even now, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father yeah. with a purpose to intercede for us day and night according to the will of God. So Jesus' full purpose is us. That's pretty amazing if you think about it, isn't it? So as he is, so should we be in this world. Yeah,
0: and it costs Jesus a lot. It, yeah, it was sure did. sacrifice. Yeah. And so we, as just humans, myself very much included, we don't like to sacrifice. We don't like to lay down our lives for our friends. Uh, and that's why it's the high call of love to do that because it does cost us. Uh, and I'll say it again and again and again, love has a cost, but it is worth it because it's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of um, connection and family in Christ.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like I, I said earlier about where the church has kind of like placed personal purpose over uh, fulfilling purpose in community. I think one of the reasons that is is because when when scripture is preached or even how we interact in or even as we read the Bible sometimes we we kind of over-personalize scripture. And where we make scriptures about us as an individual when it was actually talking to a group of people or to a community of people. I mean, when you think about it, the the letters of the New Testament are written to a church or yeah. to a group of people. Mm-hmm. And so we take these things out of context and we personalize them. And then what happens is scripture becomes about us then mm-hmm. versus... The community or the body of Christ. So much of the New Testament is working together as a body of Christ, uh, fulfilling each other's needs. You know, uh, where someone is in lack, then uh, one part of the body rises up and and takes care of it. So, if all the attention is on what am I called to do and how am I going to get that need or fulfill that purpose, rather than recognize that our personal purpose is intertwined to yes. who we do life with. Yes, I love a exactly. quote from Chris Valentin. He says, sometimes you can't find your destiny until you find your people. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is that your destiny is with your people. Like Ruth, your destiny is often in the people you are with. And so sometimes we're looking just to, to skip town to a bigger, better <laughs> thing where Says, Hey, God says, this is where you've been planted and I need you to produce fruit where you're planted and not just looking for a greater, better opportunity to fulfill that thing that's inside of you. Hey, and I'm not saying that you can't, God doesn't take you from one place to another. I'm just saying, obey the voice of God. If if God has placed you where you're at, then you should be bearing fruit in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why I think we always encourage people if they're, um, even if they're moving to a new place or starting somewhere new or wanting to um, gain some kind of platform or influence, the best way to do that is to serve. Yes. To serve at the lowest level where you are, because that's how you're going to. not just grow influence, but you're going to you're going to grow roots. You're going mm-hmm. to grow community, um, people are going to see that this is a person that they can trust. That this is a person who is humble, who is willing to serve, um, and let it kind of grow organically from there, rather than trying to start at the top, um, because we know pride comes before a fall. Um, but starting at that lowest level of service in community is really the way of the kingdom.
1: And when the disciples were fighting over who was going to be the greatest, yeah. what did Jesus say? Yeah. To be the greatest, you need to be the servant of all. You need yeah. to be a great servant to yeah. you know, to be great in the kingdom.
2: Yeah. And if you think about leadership, the position, the title, that is just a tool to serve people in a greater measure. Uh, I remember one time we were asked to we were given this honor to lead this big beautiful thing for a larger organization. And we accepted it. And everyone said, Oh, wow, what an honor, what an honor. And I said, Yeah, it's an honor. But in actuality, it just means we have a lot more people to serve. (laughs) You know, there's, there's going to be a lot more demand on our life to give our life away. And, and I think when we turn it the other way around, like I climb the ladder so people serve me. That's just positioning me, you know, to abuse my power yeah. or uh, to live an egocentric life, saying everybody is there for me rather than recognizing really the way of the kingdom is when I lose my life, I actually find it. Yeah.
1: Hence life exchange, the
2: exchange <laughs> of life. <laughs> right.
1: I think this scripture verse really fits into this question, but it's in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Mm -hmm. value others above yourself. Like, think about this. This is the way of the kingdom in verse 4. Not looking to your own interest. Man, this is brutal. (laughs) But each of you to the interest of others and if, if you look at that chapter, it, it goes in more into depth, but we're talking about personal purpose. And and when I read that scripture verse, I think when our personal purpose becomes greater than our ability to love those around us, Ooh. your personal purpose has become an idol in your life.
2: That is yeah. so good. Yes.
1: And so we have to be super careful. Yes, we have a unique personal purpose in the kingdom. We were created for a reason. We were created for this time, but it is in the context of serving and loving those around us, not to build our ego or build our platform. Yeah.
2: Uh, A personal mentor of mine said, uh, being ego driven will be the demise of humanity. And, I you know when you think about that, if it's all about me, I'm literally setting myself up for failure, disappointment, and because I'll be living life just taking and getting, taking and getting. When God's called us to contribute yeah. to one another, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. We also have to be careful. Uh, I, I we talked about this a little bit before in another podcast, but we we shouldn't do things for God. We should do things with God.
2: Oh yeah, that's so good.
1: And I think sometimes when we're pursuing after certain things, we're saying, I'm doing this for God, but the root of it, it could come from that selfish ambition. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you do things for God, it's all on your ability and your own strength to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. But when you do something with God, you're then relying on His leading and His strength to accomplish it. So when you do something with God, He's going to highlight things that you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. But if it's just for God, then you are grabbing at anything that you can to fulfill it versus mm-hmm. just being submitted to his will and surrendering surrendering to his voice and his leading. And in that that's that's what's going to that's going to be the fruit that lasts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good.
2: And this might be a rabbit trail, but as you were talking, I began to think Uh, we connect in community, a local church or an organization. We connect to them because we have a need and we want them to meet our need. So it's not about this beautiful exchange of life. It is I'm going and participating to get. And already that is faulty, uh, and can sabotage us so much because the focus is not just on us, but we go there to take from people rather than to have that beautiful exchange of life. Mm-hmm. And so often, many people, when they get married, you know, I'm getting married because he's going to meet my need. So we enter into our little nuclear family type thing all because that's what we want. I've even heard people say, I want to have a baby. It's going to meet my need. And I go, please don't (laughs) have a baby to meet your need. Because when that baby comes, they are truly needy and they don't care if you're sleepy. They don't care if you have a cold. They don't care. No, they need their needs met. So- There's so many things that we do to ultimately meet our need, and it really positions us to be disappointed, and uh, really, we end up lacking the more we're driven to meet our need.
1: And to bring balance to all this, because I'm a person that likes to bring balance, I mean, we're all coming from uh, from the perspective of someone's personal, but I think churches can get weird with this too mm. it's like the people in the church are there to fulfill the the vision of the house and I I understand that but the purpose of the church is to serve those that are in the church and I think sometimes the church world has switched that for the people that are there to serve the vision or serve the pastor or or whatever it may be so it's not just fulfilling the purpose of the house I think it's all interconnected that we are all to be a serve like uh, you know that the scripture where it says, you know, husbands love your wife, uh, wives submit to their husband. But right before that, it says, submit yourselves one, one to, to another. another. <laughs>
2: exactly. You know,
1: so it's like we look at it as like, well, this is the hierarchy, but it begins with submit to one another.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: And I think that's true with with uh, leadership, church leadership, as well as people in in the in the body that are serving as well.
0: Well, I had a completely different angle on this question. If
1: You guys. don't say. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I did speak into this part of it, but um, I'm just going to read it again. It says, how can you pursue personal purpose while staying community-minded? And I was just also coming at this from if you are a person who truly do- is community-minded, mm-hmm. but you also have a vision and a goal and you're thinking, how do I do it all? How mm-hmm. do I how do I pursue what I know I need to pursue and not forsake community? And so it's just another side of this is, um, you know, you can't, and I'm a person that, that advocates for community service. Like that is a big deal to me, but you actually can't, do it all. Yeah. You cannot be involved in everything. It's not practical. It's not feasible as a human to, for you to be on every committee, every board, every club, every cause.
1: Yeah, there's only one savior of the world.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have to remind myself of that sometimes. <laughs> but... Um, But just the other side of this is if you really do want to be investing in your community, but you're also looking at your life and you're looking at what you have in front of you to accomplish your personal purpose, Um, and you have to kind of decide... Uh, that's where boundaries come in. That's where blinders come in where you have to be really intentional about it. Um, to me, my advice there would just be intentionality, build it into your schedule, um, build certain things in and the rest of it, you just have to say, you know, support it, love it, but I'm going to have to let somebody else serve in that area um, because otherwise, like really, truthfully, like you will burn out trying to do it all, trying to save the world. Um, And so, you know, if it is your heart to serve community, say yes where you can say yes and be okay with saying no when you know that you have a goal in front of you that the ultimate good is to serve not just your purpose but to serve your
2: greater purpose in the world.
1: And that's the power of community, that you don't have to do it all yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think things get convoluted or they've been convoluted in our thinking is because... There are elements that want to be served, but they don't necessarily want to contribute. So somebody who is a contributor yeah. uh, they almost have all. to do double yeah. duty mm-hmm. because other ones are taking. And so, to meet all the needs, it's what the twenty per- eighty principle we yeah. hear about all the time in in business. You know. of the people do 80% of the work. And that's really a sad commentary. Uh, And so I think one duty of community is uh, by God's grace, uh, how do we give people opportunity to contribute? Because honestly, that'll meet their needs more than all the taking and getting in the world. Because the moment I give, something happens on the inside of me that God just so meets me there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we spent the first... 20 minutes talking about how we need to serve other people. Mm -hmm. It is very, very important. We have to um, choose to serve community. Um, And so that is very, very important. And we just have to recognize that we all have a part in that, not just
2: uh, one person doing it all. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I'll just close if we're done this one. But uh, we talk about you reap what you sow, but reaping is a byproduct of sowing. Mm -hmm. So if we just want to reap, but we never sow, then we have just messed up a a spiritual
0: law. Well, even like economically, you're breaking (laughs) the principle of, of how it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Did we cover question number one?
1: I think so. I do want to reiterate that personal purpose is connected to those that we do life with. Mm. Um, and those can change over time, Mm. but you can't do it alone. And God, like, if you look at scripture, God does it like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There, there's a sense of family. There's a sense of community, uh, in the new Testament. It was a, uh, correcting churches, correcting, uh, groups of people as a whole, and so I'm just not a big fan of the mentality. Well, it's just me and Jesus and I'm just all on my own. I th- I think you can get into a lot of error with that type of thinking.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the way God made us is to be <laughs> in family um and so stepping outside of that's always going to mess it up. It's always going to break something inside of us and inside of the way the kingdom's supposed to work.
1: Yeah, how are you going to walk in love if you can't be around people that aren't lovely?
0: <laughs> well, it actually requires more than one person for you yeah. to walk in love. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so mm-hmm. don't, this is not an isolation uh, podcast <laughs> or question.
0: I think it's a topic we're passionate about. Yeah. We are life exchange, so we can talk about this long. Yeah. But all right, let's shift gears to question number two. It is, how do I know I'm hearing the voice of God or am I just talking to myself? Big, big question for a lot of people, and I totally understand um, that um, it's not a natural principle for you to be hearing the voice of God, to be hearing the voice of a greater power. It requires faith just to even understand that um, that God, someone you can't see, uh, you can't touch. Um, You know, they're not going to walk in the room. God's not going to necessarily in the flesh walk in the room with you. And you have to have faith to believe that you're hearing something other than your own voice. Um, So it is a valid question and it is a big question because um, it requires a belief. Um, And I think from the beginning, our faith is based on faith that we have to believe that he is, that he exists, that God is real. Um, And that he wants a relationship with us, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's the very beginning of our faith is having that trust and that belief that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Um, And so I would say if you have that faith that he exists, you have that belief that he exists, then you're on the right track. You're on a great path um, to begin to learn that he actually is speaking
2: to you and to recognize his voice. And I think we have to realize there's a beautiful grid, the grid of the Word of God, or the plumb line of the Word of God. So when we hear something, you know, when we we think this thought, or we uh, have something uh really, I believe, things come from our spirit, but it, it's communicated to our mind, which is a thought. And when we have that thought, we're going, okay, is this a Lord or is this not a Lord, the Lord? I think we go back to the plumb line of the word of God. Does it align with the word of God? Does it align with what uh, God has said? What is uh, absolute objective truth? And then I think it's so important to recognize, does it align with his heart? Does it align with his spirit? So if... Um, I hear or feel or sense something that is contrary to God's nature, then I need to pull back and say, no, uh, I was just irritated today. That wasn't God telling me to go, you know, put that person in their place. You know, that's really not God. And if I was called to talk to him, how would I do that? And so we we run those things through the grid of the word of God. And from that place or from that plumb line of the word and the heart of God, the more we practice it. And I think practice is always done best in private. And I remember when I was really learning to hear the voice of God, uh, I didn't tell anybody what I was hearing. Mm -hmm. I would take, and I had a journal, and I'd write, this is the date, and I'd write down what I was thinking God could be talking to me. And then I waited and when God had confirmed it, when it came to pass or whatever, I'm going, oh my gosh, that was God talking to me. And so through the years, I've become through practice more sensitive to be aware that that was not Melody, but that was the spirit of God. And there was like some different ways that I have done that through the years. And I think the most dynamic of that was, oh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I was journaling. And I was journaling about a young woman named Erin. And she was this beautiful young woman in our youth group. And all like the boys, she attracted the boys. And so I was really concerned about this young girl that, you know, young people can make a lot of mistakes, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm praying for her. And I begin to write about this beautiful girl. And it just as I'm writing, it came out, uh, there is a a call of God upon her life, and she is going to marry Joel, the Joel that's sitting right here, and (laughs) I freaked out, and I shut the journal, and I literally never wrote another thing in that journal, I hid it in my drawer, and I go, oh my gosh, and I didn't tell Steven, I didn't tell anybody, I thought, this, this is crazy, this is crazy, well, long story short, uh, you know, Joel and Aaron ended up getting together and I remember when he went and I still never told him and he went and proposed to Aaron and when they came back to the house house after he proposed and she said yes, I pulled out the journal and said. The Lord spoke this to me. So it was this beautiful confirmation. And all along I felt so good about the relationship because I was recognizing I did nothing. Uh, but God was really showing me so I would have peace in the relationship because Joel was very young. So um, but there was and that
1: was also confirmed with her mother, too.
2: Yes, and she didn't tell anybody either until afterwards.
1: So our relationship was. Typical of most people. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Getting married at uh, 20 years old.
2: But with that story, the thing is, I wrote things in a journal. I didn't have to tell everyone what God was telling me. Yeah. I was just practicing in ways that uh, were just private with me and God. And now we we do prophetic training. It helps people to practice and all those type of things. But that was one way that was a very safe way for me to be able to discern, is God speaking to me? Or, oh, Melody, that was you right there. And... Uh, And I learned as much from recognizing that was Melody's voice as I did from recognizing it was God's voice. Yeah, I think that's
0: really key in the beginning when you're practicing is recognizing what is and isn't Him. And the more you read the Bible and the more you learn about His character, the more that's going to help. But you know, I just think about the scriptures that says, there is no condemnation for those Mm -hmm. who are in Christ Jesus. So if it is a condemning voice, then you can say with, definitive response, okay, that is not the voice of God. It's condemning. Um, He says that the accuser of the brethren will be cast down. So if it's it's an accusatory thought, then you can write that one off. Even if it feels true, even if it, it feels normal for you to have that thought, that, well, the Bible says that he's not an accuser. And so that's not his voice.
2: Can I play the devil's advocate with you? You're totally not prepared for this. Uh, (laughs) But people have come and said, well, I have a spirit of discernment. Uh And I've discerned, and of course it's negative, what they're discerning. Yeah. So what do you do when you have this discernment where you can pick up somebody else's flaws and failures? Yeah. Well, the fact is we are spirit beings and
0: so there is the, our heavenly father, there's the godly spirit and there's also, um, there's a spirit of darkness. And so we don't always realize it. Some are more aware than others that we can actually Access that realm, and we can pick up those things. And so, um, if you do have a strong sense of discernment, and you walk into a room, or you kind of pick something up about a person, then you have to do the same thing. What would God do with this information? What would what is God's heart for this person? What is God's intention? Um, so, God is not a condemning God. So, if you're picking up something in the spirit realm that would condemn someone else then just because the information is true, your, res- your response should still align with the heart of God. And so God would not condemn that person. God uh, loves that person. And so you kind of hold that information and respond the way that God would respond to that person.
2: And maybe that would be doing just what Jesus is doing right now is interceding for that person, right? Yeah. Taking the time to pray, not say anything, but pray for that person. Yeah, because sometimes
0: we have that sense and then we think, well, it's I had the sensing, so now I have to do something about it. Right. Well, you don't actually. Um, And so, you know, bring it to the Lord, ask for his input. Um, Now, again, this is practice. (laughs) So if you are new to this, this whole idea of even recognizing the spirit realm could be very new to you. Um, But I think the more that you pursue the character of God, Mm -hmm. the more you're going to recognize his voice. It's just like if you're, I always use this example with the kids. If you're in a crowded building with a lot of people and there's a lot of moms and dads in that building, when, when your kid or when that kid says mom, It's like that mom can pick out a needle in a haystack Mm -hmm. because they know their child's voice. And so the more we know our father's voice, the more in the midst of all of the voices that we're hearing, the more we're going to be able to detect, okay, this is God. This lines up with who God says he is, or who the Bible says he is. Um, The Bible says that he's kind, that he's compassionate, that he's loving, that he's a God of justice and a God of mercy. It tells you a lot about his character. And so when it aligns, Lines with his character, okay. Well, that's a good place to start. You can kind of begin to trust, all right, maybe this is the voice of the Lord speaking to me. Um, so all right. Great job, Katie.
2: <laughs> Great job.
1: Well, I always question if the only thing that a discerning person picks up yeah. is the negative.
2: Yeah. Good
1: I going. think that that's yep. a problem. Yeah. Because It doesn't take a rocket scientist to go in my house and see my kid flipping out with a bad attitude and say, I'm discerning that there's a bad (laughs) there's like something going on here. No, what takes discernment is okay, Holy Spirit, how do I handle this? Right. How do I address my children in this moment? What is the best way to bring peace to the situation? And so for someone that's always just seeing the negative. I would say I don't know how much discernment that takes. Like someone could look at our country and say, "Oh, it, it's bad." <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't take much discerning to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, well, what does the Lord want to do? Yeah. What is his plan? What is his purpose? Amen. And that's what takes discernment of saying, "Okay, yeah, there there's this person that has this issue and and my job is to expose it." Well, what is God's plan? Mm -hmm. What is God's, because his plan is one of redemption Mm -hmm. and one of mercy. Mm -hmm. And, and there's some things that God has revealed uh, to people that are pretty serious and that need to be addressed, but we can still seek the way of the Lord in Mm -hmm. that situation. And so it's not just, like I said, uh, if all you see is the negative, well, maybe you're not discerning. Maybe you're a pessimist. I don't know. So um, Well, wow, you were
2: pretty passionate about this one. I thought, wow, I haven't heard that much passion in your voice about something. Oh, I don't know if I'm passionate about it. <laughs> I do I just,
0: think often mean, when people say they have a gift of discernment, often it does go in that direction of mm-hmm. I can
2: discern the negative. the negative
0: of what's going on. But
2: can we discern something that's beautiful and yeah. valuable? And, and that's where it takes precious. practice of being yeah. able to take that
0: quote-unquote gift and to exercise it the way the Lord wants to exercise it. Um,
1: well, yeah, I, I can mean, see. if you want to be a prophetic culture, you have to be able to look at someone and look past the mess, mm-hmm. look past the situation and see how God sees them That's and exactly see how right. God wants it to be handled. Discern who
0: I they think, are in God. I think of the woman at the well, and yeah. <laughs> Jesus kind of reads her her yeah. wrongs in private one on one, not accusing, just stating the fact. And she goes, "I discern that you're a prophet."
1: Yeah, that always cracked <laughs> me up. And then I love how she gets super spiritual. Then yeah. she says, "I discern that you're prophet," and then she starts spouting off. This is the way that this uh, will worship the Sumerians will worship. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And and it's funny because sometimes when the prophetic comes out people get really spiritual to kind of hide what's really going on and Jesus just cuts through all of that and just says no you had five husbands and
0: (laughs) but he wasn't condemning her he wasn't he was saying I'm
1: offering you a well that does not run dry that's right you tried to fill yourself with all these different things but I am the one that can satisfy that very need within you
0: And he didn't. He waited until the disciples went to buy food. He didn't do it when everybody else was around. He spoke with her one on one, and then guess what? Uh, when that healing came, that revelation came. Yeah. Um. She wanted to tell everybody else about him. And if you just call somebody out on their stuff, and you are um just condemning or accusing or pointing fingers or um or exposing them. You are. That is not the ministry of reconciliation. Exactly. And our ministry as um, followers of Jesus is reconciliation. And so, if your, if the heart, even in discernment, is not to reconcile that person to the Lord, um, then I would really question uh, what spirit you're following. Even if the information, even if what you're sensing is correct, the spirit might be crooked.
1: This moment right now kind of encapsulates how our conversations go. Rabbit trailing. <laughs> yeah, we have one question. How do we know if it's God speaking <laughs> or it's just me talking to myself? And we're getting into like, <laughs> hey, if you're always just seeing the name. We've gone off topic, but we were rolling. So. Yeah.
2: But that's good because a lot of times uh, in the process of trying to discern, we've got to make sure what is what is that plumb line You know, what is going to honor God as we hear? And the more we practice not just the truth, but the heart of God when we hear, the more it'll position us to hear, obey, and see the fruits of that.
1: Yeah, that's good. So getting back to the question. (laughs) So
2: like for me, one of the big things is praying in the spirit. Like the more I pray in the spirit, the more sensitive I am to my spirit man, because when I pray in the spirit, it's not coming from my head. It's not coming from my thoughts. Uh, it's, It's not something I learned or developed or was educated in. It's coming directly from my spirit man by the Holy Spirit. And it's from that same place, my spirit man, that I hear the voice of God. It's communicated to my thoughts, but the source of it is my spirit man. So as I pray in the spirit in unknown tongue, then I am becoming more and more sensitive to my spirit man. And it's from that place that I hear. I need I to
0: throw this in while she's talking about that. If you do not speak in tongues, if that is foreign to you or if you want that, uh, we believe that that is accessible for every believer. And yes. we do have a resource. There's a free online course on our website um, on givinglight.org. Just check out the resources section. You'll find that there. Okay, continue. Good okay, <laughs>
1: to add to that was discerning his voice is really about a byproduct of fellowship and union with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus talked about this in John 10, where he says, And his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So how do we develop this? We develop it by knowing and spending time in relationship with the Holy Spirit and knowing his word. Yep. And so just like if someone came up to me and said, well, your mother said this, I would be like, I could either confirm that or deny that because I know what she would say. I've been around her a long time. I know her voice. So that's the same way. as Because I'm in relationship with the Holy Spirit, because I'm in fellowship with Jesus and his voice, the more I can recognize it, the more that I can cultivate that. And so when a stranger comes... And can say, no, that's not his voice. And actually in scripture it says they run away. Yeah. They flee from that that voice. And so it's going to take time. It's yeah. going to take development. It's going to take cultivation. And so if you're, if you're unsure, it just means that you're kind of in the beginning journey of learning how. Yeah. But if you're waiting for it to be perfect right away... Mm-hmm it's just not going to happen. You have to develop it. And and going back to what you said earlier about like you would kind of practice in private, I would say take notice of your, your misses and your mm-hmm. victories. It's like, well, I felt that was God and it did not produce the fruit that I feel like God would want to be produced. So the, or that was a miss or wow, mm-hmm. God spoke to me this and it came to pass. And, mm-hmm. and so you begin to learn from your victories and your misses and through relationship and understanding his word, all that is developed. Uh, there's a great scripture for this in Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is for the yes. mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Yep. So as you... Uh, eat on the, the meat of the Word of God. As you develop that relationship with Holy Spirit, then from that you can both, you can be able to, to discern if something is good or evil or is this God speaking to me or is this a fleshly thought? Is this a thought from the enemy? As you cultivate it, as as it says, through constant use, as you use it, you will develop it. And I also think it's also important this is not just a just a solo thing. It's also get around people that have confidence in hearing the voice of God. Allow them to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is through the, the Holy Spirit, but it's also hanging around those that have exercised that gift, and then they can speak into it, and I think it can even... Be developed even more.
0: Yeah, I think that's really true. That's really good. Um, I would just like reemphasize though: do this on your own. You do not have to wait for another person mm-hmm. um, because it's it's a personal relationship with the Lord. And yes, you're going to grow in that in community, but it doesn't it. it It's between you and the Lord uh, developing that confidence that when he speaks, um, that he is a loving voice, that he is a kind voice, he's a compassionate voice. And for a lot of us, if we didn't know that voice before, if that voice is brand new, then we really have to practice receiving that voice as okay to receive. We talk a lot in our faith about rejecting thoughts because that's the thing we have to do a lot <laughs> um the enemy is constantly speaking to us and we have to reject those thoughts but we also have to re- we also have to practice receiving those thoughts or what he's speaking to us so if he's speaking thoughts of love over you and kindness and compassion and you're so used to you're not used to hearing that voice, then you might shut them out. But the more you let those thoughts come in and you receive them as truth about you, as truth about who he is and the way that he speaks, then you're getting more and more comfortable with how he speaks. And you're going to learn that voice more and more and more. And as he speaks, it's not going to be such a, is this him? Is this not him? You're just going to know. You're going to know your father's voice. Um, and so receive what he's speaking um, to you about you. If it's, you know, if it's pure, if it's lovely, if it's perfect, if it's a good report, yeah. then you know that those are, the, those are the words that your father uses. Um, so you can actually accept those. And that's going to begin to transform the way that you think, the way that you believe. And it's going to really help you as you develop um, your, your spirit ears and hearing him.
1: Amen. All right, so let's go to the next one. And the next question is, how can you learn to accept change to finally move on from a painful situation or experience?
2: All right. Well, the bottom line is, is we didn't choose the pain, but our only option is to move on. -hmm. We can't just sit and die because we face some battle, some pain, you know, the the big term now is resilience. It's the ability to bounce back. I'm not saying that's easy, but what's the other choice? To give up? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't do that. So we've all experienced battles, trials, temptations, pressures, pain, disappointment, betrayal, whatever it might be. There is no other choice but to keep on going. mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's easier said than done, huh? It is easier said, but it's Well, I will say everyone
1: in this line. room has it's, done that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and I understand that it's important to make few people feel better and say that's a, easier said than done. But all of us have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this room. So it is possible.
2: Yes. I have I don't know anyone who hasn't done it. Yeah because life sure hasn't been fair for anybody on the planet, but there's a whole lot of people by the grace of God who got up and kept on going. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that um, we don't need support. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics that will help us move forward, but we have to settle it in our heart and our mind that I can't camp on the dirty banks of a past mm-hmm. disappointment, failure, betrayal, whatever. Yeah.
0: I actually had something just very recently that hurt me. It hurt my heart. Um, and it, was, it wasn't a life shattering thing, but it really hurt me. Um, and so this has kind of been my process that I've learned um, through many painful processes. But Want, the first step is to grieve it, to actually acknowledge that I am mm. feeling. that's the first step of um, the grieving process, right? is acceptance um, that it's happening. you're you're not denying it anymore. I'm not denying, ah, oh, this hurts my heart. This hurts my feelings. So acknowledging it and working through that grieving process, that can happen depending on the severity of what took place. um for for this situation, it happened pretty quickly. I was like, oh, God, this hurts, Um, and and acknowledging that pain, working through the emotion just real quickly, giving it to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I give it over to Him. Um, Forgive if there needs to be forgiveness. That's releasing it from you, even spiritually. That forgiveness is releasing you from um, that pain holding on to you. And so giving it to the Lord. And then this next step is super important. It's very hard, but it's very deliberate. And it is to forcefully redirect your thoughts in another direction. And so for me, when this situation happened, my brain, all my mind wants to do is think about this situation. What happened? My, It's just like, it's constant. It just, think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And I just had to keep going, no, we're gonna think about something else. Now, because I had acknowledged it, this is not me denying what had taken place. Now, at this point, I've acknowledged it I have felt it. I've given it to the Lord. Now it is my choice to forcefully command my thoughts to move on, to go in another direction. And my prayer this time was um, stay my heart and my mind on you because I trust in you. Because the the scripture says that he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because we trust in him. And so that was, I just had to keep redirecting. Every time my thoughts wanted to try to go back to the situation, I just had to redirect, stay my mind on you, stay my mind on you. Because I knew that if I kept at that, I was going to be able to access peace in that situation because that's his promise. So, Again, it was just acknowledging it, grieving it the way that it needs to be grieved, giving it to the Lord, forgiving, releasing, and then forcefully command your thoughts to move in a different direction. That for me helps me to work through pain, um, through that process and
2: how to move on from it. That was beautiful. That was so good. And you can see Katie is a major strategist. (laughs)
1: She's got her four points, five points.
0: (laughs) I've learned. Yes.
1: She's like, I better get this out before Joel messes this all up.
0: (laughs) I didn't, I know sometimes I have to go fast and long.
2: No, it was beautiful. It was so good. And what was so beautiful about every strategic step you shared, anyone can apply. And well, let me just be clear. To it's apply. not
0: like this started out as a four-step plan. I don't no. even think of it that way. It's just I've had to do it enough times that I've learned, okay, this is the route I'm taking.
2: <laughs> well, and I didn't see it as this little formula, but those steps are all very, very powerful on, on, on so many fronts, neurologically, psychologically, yeah. uh, spiritually, mm-hmm. all those things. I mean, it was great. Well, Katie. and
0: and just even going back to neurologically, when now this can be... We're talking about it could be a little pain for me. This one was a little sting. It wasn't a life-altering thing. But actually trauma and pain can actually rewire your brain yes. in an instant. Yeah. And so it is very scientific at times. It's very neurological. And that's why that forcefully commanding your thoughts mm-hmm. is so important because it will actually change your brain chemistry physically. Um, and so you have to really be very intentional, very forceful at um rechanging it, rewriting the the memory that you have in your brain. Yep. Because exactly. your brain will hold on to it. It will yep. store it. It will affect you. Yes. Okay, someone else talk.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> if we're gonna walk in health after a painful situation, we're going have to we're going to have to move forward at some point.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah,
1: because stagnation will eventually breed dysfunction.
2: Yeah,
1: it's kind of like uh, uh, when water just remains stagnant; eventually, it starts getting nasty and not healthy, and so. I think we have to realize whether we like it or not, change can happen to us. Mm -hmm.
0: And does. (laughs) And will
1: happen, right? Sometimes we we would like it to be like, can life have hit the pause button? But I realized because I went through painful situations, life never has a pause button. It just keeps on going. And so I'm going to have to come to a point where I'm going to have to lay things down or... Seek out healing for me to progress because life just doesn't stop right mm-hmm. and um for me, the thing that I had to let go of and and for you, it might be something might be something different is I needed to let go of I need to understand why this happened mm-hmm. yeah, you know I can move forward when I understand why this person mm-hmm. did this, yeah. And I've come and I came to really realize, I don't know if it was quickly, it could have been a year or two. I don't know, (laughs) maybe. I might never know that. Right. I might not ever understand. And I realized that thing was just holding me back from moving forward, from progressing and actually getting healing. So I would encourage you what is the thing that kind of snags or keeps you stagnant or Mm -hmm. keeps you held back. Like I said, for me, it was like I had to lay down. I might never know why, and I'm just going to have to lay that down for me to move forward. Mm -hmm. So what is the thing within your life that kind of keeps you staying where you're at, moving forward, growing, and laying that down, giving it to the Lord? Obviously, if it's a painful situation, there's probably going to be an opportunity where you're going to need to forgive. Mm Mm-hmm. Forgive yourself, forgive the other person. Mm-hmm. So look for the things that, look for the chain or look for the snag that, um, a good example of this is like, um, I do audio and, you know, with the worship team. And one thing with audio is there's a lot of chords. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they can get really tangled up. So if we're pausing because we're having to untangle
2: mm-hmm.
1: something, well, that's going to be a process, but it's just going to become a big mess if I never take time to mm. untangle those things. That's kind of what you were talking about, kind of properly grieving, yeah. you know, uh, working through those things. So look at the things that are kind of snagging uh, your, your advancement and deal with those things, uh, whether it's forgiving or getting some type of healing in some way. But like I said before, Life doesn't stop, mm-hmm. and if we remain stagnant, it's gonna. I I look at it like this. Okay, let's say someone hurts me, and that was painful enough. But how I respond to it can even hurt me even greater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if I respond in bitterness and anger and resentment, that bitterness could be more harmful yes. than than actual the th- the, the actual mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. thing that yeah. happened to me. Mm-hmm. So. That, that's what I'm saying. It's like we got to recognize that life continues and we have to, and I'm not saying we put on the blinders and we just plow through because eventually that will catch up to you. Right. But look for the things that kind of um, are holding you uh, in, in stagnation and deal with those things because life continues and life needs to keep on flowing because if it doesn't, eventually there's going to be some type of, some type of pain just from how we're responding to what had happened.
2: Mm -hmm. To piggyback on what you said, it's not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. And it reminds me, uh, I won't tell the details of this, but uh, this individual had a horrible, horrible betrayal and if I told you the story it would just break your heart but um after that horrible betrayal uh, they came to me and said I've decided two things first is I will get to the other side without any baggage I can't take baggage into my new season you know mm-hmm. I can't carry this baggage with me for my life I I've I've got to get to the other side of this thing without the baggage. And the second thing, I'm going to get to the other side without any bitterness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they made a decision uh, of, yeah, they had to face what happened to them. They had to process through all the things you shared, Katie. They had to process through all what happened to them. But they made a decision what was going to or not what was going to happen in them and I'm not going to be bitter, and I'm not going to carry baggage. Mm-hmm. And from day one, that was what they proclaimed. So their fo- their focus was forcibly on yeah. where they were going in a good sense and uh, how they were going to walk out of this thing in victory rather than camping in the pain that was... Definitely there, you know it was intense, uh, but it's it's there's something so powerful about deciding what type of person we want to be and what we will or will not allow in our future. Mm-hmm. It might take a little process to get to that, but when we settle that in our heart, that tenacity really helps us navigate through the pain. And one of my favorite scriptures, because I've had lots of opportunities, like everybody else on the planet, uh, to navigate through emotional pain. But I love the scripture in Isaiah 6, 7, and 8. And it said, instead of shame, Mm -hmm. the things that have brought me shame, you're going to have double. And instead of disgrace, the things that humiliated me, disgraced me, hurt me, wounded me, you're going to have a double inheritance. And I just love that because my promise is, yep, this was stolen from me. This was painful, but my God has promised me double. So what does that double look like? So now my eyes and my focus are on what God is going to do, not in spite of it, Mm -hmm. but okay, Because this happened, you get ready. You're going to have double. And uh, that's his promise because he's a God of justice. yeah. He always not just brings um, restitution, but he brings recompense, meaning you're going to get so much more than what was stolen from you.
1: Mm -hmm. When you were talking, I thought of uh, a sermon that I preached a long time ago. It was on praise. But one of the points was praise is a... a palate cleanser for your new season, mm. and so a palate cleanser is something that you take in between uh, the meals or like courses. The, the courses of the meals, and so it basically kind of erases the your past yeah. taste so that you can taste the new course with without the old kind of like
0: flavor taste. Yeah, yeah.
1: holding <laughs> on to that, and so like. I think sometimes if we were in a difficult season, if we don't praise into our next season, Mm -hmm. we're going to carry that bitter taste within Mm -hmm. it, and it's going to affect how we even perceive our new season. So sometimes we feel like things never change because we're still tasting the bitterness of the last season. But praise is something that kind of cleanses our palate and prepares us for that new season so that we can taste that new season without the flavor and the bitterness or the pain of the past season.
2: So basically we're putting our focus on the goodness of God rather than the pain of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful.
0: It's again, it's redirecting your thoughts um, to the things of God. Uh, And that's, that's just it. You know, you have, you have to remind yourself of the good. You have to remind yourself that you've gone through a painful thing, um, but God is still God, that you are still loved. You are still wanted. All of those things are still true about you, regardless of what you have just experienced. And so praising him, redirecting your thoughts on him is going to allow you um, to walk through, to get through the valley uh, and to see the hope again, to see life again, to see Mm -hmm. light again. It's so, so good. Um, And I just love, love, love that the Holy Spirit is called our comforter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, uh, yes, will never leave us or forsake us, but he is our comforter. And so this, you know, even... um, the processes that we're giving you, they're not uh, like linear (laughs) that you might be going. You might feel okay one moment, ah, you feel it again. And you just keep working through, working through, working through, but the Holy Spirit is with us the whole time to comfort us. and one thing I love about the Holy Spirit is sometimes us as humans, we comfort people by saying, oh, it's going to be okay. Or or we just like, you know, pat on the shoulder, pat on the head. But the Holy Spirit isn't just appeasing you. He's not right. just um, putting a Band-Aid on it and he's not just giving you ice cream because it feels good. He's actually um, going to the very core of who you are and bringing comfort. Uh, and even um, like you said earlier about how sometimes we seek understanding so that we can move on. But I love that the peace that he promised us doesn't require understanding. Yeah, that's good. That we can actually have peace that passes our understanding. That does not mean we have to understand in order to have peace. That is who he is as a comforter. Um, that is who he is as our brother, as our friend, as our father. Um, and so just knowing that you are not doing that this alone, you're not walking through this by yourself. Um, and so yeah, he's with you and
1: he's for you. And I like how you added that, sometimes our perspective of comfort means like it's going to be okay and stroking your back. And yes, that is one aspect of comfort, but that word also means it's like a pep rally. Mm-hmm. It's like to, to stir excitement and passion for what is to come. Mm-hmm. So when the Holy Spirit comforts you, it's not just to baby you in a way where there might be a season of that, but it's also to charge you with faith yeah. for what is to come.
2: That's so good. I guess who
0: knows what you need whenever you need it. The yeah.
1: Holy Spirit. <laughs> the (laughs) (laughs) Holy
0: spirit. He knows the moments where you need a pep talk and he knows the moments where you need a hug. Um, and so that's, what's so good is that he can do it better than any human can. And I hope that you have people around you that can help you through this process. But, um, you know, the Holy spirit is with you and he Mm -hmm. is, uh, for you and he sees your future and he knows that it's good. And so, um,
2: just believe that that is ahead for you. I know I don't always think the way the average person thinks, um, but uh, sometimes when I have faced really difficult things, there's this warrior tenacity type thing that rises inside of me because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? It's really not... A person, maybe they yielded to the ways of the enemy. I don't know. But um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and de- destroy. But Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. And when I look at it, I thought, you know what, devil, you're going to regret messing with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like this I put my anger or my frustration uh, against the forces of darkness, against the enemy, the source of all pain and suffering and whatever it might be and say, but guess what? You're going to regret it because my God, I mean, there's payback here. And uh, I'm I'm going back to my scripture again, double portion. Um, I talked about a lot of times when I talk about fear, when we confront fear, we become fear's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. So when we confront what the enemy has tried to trip us up with, then we really become a nightmare to the forces of darkness. So my brain thinks that way sometimes. (laughs) It's probably not typical, but okay, devil, you watch out.
1: (laughs) I just wanted to add one more thing. Uh, The question was, how can you learn to accept change?
2: Oh, accept change. We talk about that a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, change happened whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. So if you give all your power to the change, you're going to become powerless. So what choice will you make in your new reality? Yeah. Mm. And so take back that power and say, hey, I didn't choose this, but I have the power of choice to what I'm going to do from this from now on. Yeah. And take so don't become a victim and, and take, take the power that you have in that moment.
0: Yeah, same really thing. Good. Just different languages. You can rewrite the story. You can rewrite the next chapter. So maybe <laughs> a relationship broke. It had to change. You had to accept it. Okay. Well, what's next? Like you, you can move forward. You have the power of that. I know you're laughing at my story.
1: Well, I, I think <laughs> I use a club, and you use a, <laughs> use a brush. <laughs> I did get a prophecy one time that God God called me to be like a cattle prod. So I don't know if I should accept that as the word of the Lord, but I remember getting it.
0: (laughs) Well, I think we're wrapping this one up.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys for sticking through. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you got some great stuff, though.
0: All right. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, would be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.